bittersweet day for me yeah for me too today we were supposed to be recording our penultimate episode yeah but it turns out this is our final episode of the conjuring universe series and i'm really gonna miss these guys i mean i've had a we've had a good run and the thing about the experts is it or wait a second that was a freudian slip the thing about the conjuring is that it always leaves me wanting so much more. And what I want more of is Ed and Lorraine Warren. Me too. And they really, I feel like they're edging us always with Ed and Lorraine Warren. I mean, yes. Like, I feel like they negged us with the nun because you got nothing. <laughs> and then they edged us with this because you got bookends, which was like, a, which was great because they're meaty they're very meaty little bookends. They are. And you you got some clips of um, of Ed in the story because they had that uh, that film um, projector of him performing an exorcism. So you got to see him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'll take what I can get, <laughs> even if it's just a, a grainy film of him performing an exorcism that's being burned. <laughs> and distorted it's still something it's better than that. that that exorcism made me laugh so hard because he says obey me <laughs> to the letter <laughs> oh my god do you think he ad-libbed that i hope that he did it's such a funny thing to say to a demon to the letter it's to like the so letter kid. <laughs> uh mr a uh, demon you're out of line. Amy to the letter. Amy to the letter. <laughs> they played it. They played it twice. So I was. They should have played it three heaven. <laughs> What's that? I, I said they should have played it three times, and then I said or four or five. Yeah, or that could have just been the whole movie on a loop, continuous loop. <sighs> yeah, they need to give us more. They. they I, I hope the devil made me do it. Is just all them all the time. I want to see a scene of like her making a clay pot and he's behind her ghost style. Yeah. I want that gave us Ed and Lorraine. I want a prequel. Yes. But they play themselves young. <laughs> yeah, they can Irishman them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. um. So today we were supposed to be recording a very special episode. Uh, frequent listeners to the experts will know that we have always just had the two of us on. We've never done an interview, but today all that was going to change. 
we had a very exciting interview lined up and it did unfortunately fall through at the last minute. So it is just us again, yet again, but that's okay because honestly, um, we've been talking about The Conjuring for like two months. Yeah. And it's time to stop. I mean, I, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, I would love I'm ready to move on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not actually ready to move on. I'll be trapped in this, you know, cage for the rest of my life being obsessed with the conjuring, but I can't keep talking about it. I'll just live here mentally until it comes out again. It's like Annabelle, like once it possesses me. That's right. I did sort of think we were going to go that there was a possibility that this was going to lead into the conjuring three, the devil made me do it coming out, but I don't, I guess that's not happening. Uh, I don't think that's until June. Yeah, I don't think so either. So we'd be doing a lot of filler. A lot of filler. And the people don't want it and we don't want it because, you know, we can't. But this was a satisfying conclusion, I think. It it was so fun. I really like this movie. I think this is uh, a great addition to the franchise. Me too. This is my favorite. So my favorite Conjuring movie is still the Conjuring one, but this is my second. And it's like in a totally different way. It's a very different movie, but I think this is the second best one in the franchise. I am right there with you. I totally agree. I think the Annabelle movies are best in reverse order. Uh, Annabelle Comes Home is best. Annabelle Creation, second best. Annabelle, the worst. Yeah. And then the Conjuring movies, opposite. Yeah. But we don't know. We haven't seen three yet. We haven't seen three yet. And then we also have to, we have to figure out where La Llorona and The Nun fits into all of that. So maybe by the end of this episode, we'll have a definitive power ranking of all of the yeah, we're going to have to come up with that one on the fly because we have not talked about it, but we'll get there. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we, will, we will get there for sure. Um, continuing with their, uh, like, exploring different genres, uh, this was like the 80s kind of babysitter horror. Yeah, this was like Gremlins or something like that. Um, also reminded me of The Gate. Did you ever see that movie? I've never heard of it. Oh my God, it's so good. I think it's with a young Steven Dorff and his parents go away for the night and in the backyard, he um, there's a big storm, a tree falls and it opens up a gate to hell. And then okay. all these little demons come out and the scene when Ed and Lorraine call on the phone and it's Lorraine and she's like, um, Annabelle needs a soul, it needs a soul. There's a scene from the gate where, uh, the, there's like a red phone on the wall and he picks it up and it's his mother and then it turns into a demon the phone melts in his hand oh yeah that's exactly the that's the exact scene it's so yeah that, that's a good that's a good one that's a good fun one yeah I should watch this um yeah the like 80s horror comedy has never been a favorite genre of mine um but I do like Gremlins, so. Gremlins is great. Gremlins is like in a league of its own. Yeah, I think it might be. I don't know. I was never a Ghostbusters person. I don't know. Yeah, really, I never liked it. Hmm. 
What about the burbs? Did you ever see the burbs? Yeah, I did kind of like the burbs, but I didn't like it as a kid, but I kind of liked it a little bit more as a grown up. But so yeah, so this is like it definitely in that genre, but in a in a fun new way because I think it's also fun because the conjuring has never felt like that before. Yeah. It it the conjuring has never felt fun. I mean, it seems really silly and over the top, but it seems it's not that self-aware usually except for Patrick Wilson like most of it doesn't feel very like it's never like winking at you which is sometimes appreciated but not always I don't know Um, it just felt like it had a really nice balance of um of of that and um yeah it gave us what we've been wanting to see this whole time like as soon as you knew that the warrens had a like little curio shop of horrors all you want to do is like get in that store and you wanted to see what came out of it and you wanted to see all the stuff come to life and like try to take the soul of like kill a babysitter and take the control and that's what happened so that's exactly perfect it feels like, um, yeah, they're just like giving, they're giving us what we want and we say thank you. Yeah. But also I thought that it was genuinely pretty scary that the scary things in it um, were affecting. Um, I think the scene where the bad girl <laughs> um, is in the Warren's room and she sees her dad in the mirror and then turns to him and he's screaming, it's your fault, you killed me. Yeah. Disturbing, for real. Um, I think that the coin eyes people are pretty creepy. I mean, it had some scary stuff, I thought. When they find the babysitter and she's got the eyes, the coin eyes, I mean. Yeah, I I thought so too. Even the knocking on the door and she like the insistent knocking on the door and then she looks out and nobody's there it's like the simple things yeah very unnerving that Mm -hmm. like you know how it is when you're babysitting and someone knocks on the door you don't expect it freaks you out a little bit it's like honestly I've babysat quite a bit and that has never happened to me and if it did I would probably lose my mind I, I don't I don't like hearing a knock at the door just period yeah like anyone who should be at my door should text me. Yeah, and then I'll come out and meet you. Like a normal person. <laughs> That's how we do it now. Yeah, if you're knocking on my door and you're not the FedEx guy, I assume you're here to kill me. <laughs> you probably are. Although I do have a watchdog who's extremely annoying and that's really the main reason that I don't like it when people knock on my door because oh, yeah. my dog loses his mind. He doesn't like it either. He also has the least threatening bark ever. It's very high pitched. You can tell exactly how small he is. <laughs> it's not effective. It's just, it basically gives us away as being completely weak and defenseless, but he, he's doing his best. <laughs> I feel like that's a cartoon thing where you hear like some big bark and then you open the door and it's like a little funny dog. That's, I mean, it is a very little funny dog who no one would be afraid of except for like, occasionally some people which always blows my mind because he's like a 10 pound shih tzu but (laughs) (laughs) 
Bibi. <laughs> he's made a cameo on every podcast I've ever done because he's you can't control him. He's like yeah. Annabelle. He's my he, he is like Annabelle. Um so there's a like uh kind of a continuity thing with this movie and the first conjuring. So oh, yeah, that's what I was unsure about. So is this supposed to take place while they're doing the conjuring? The first conjuring? I believe yes but in the first conjuring she it's her grandmother who is home with her she's also a few years younger the actress that yeah that see that made me think that this was supposed to take place that this wasn't the same story that this was like an actual sequel to that but it is pretty soon after they get Annabelle yeah well this movie is like is two years after they get Annabelle there's like a jump in time, right? Which it's like, look, I like this movie. But I also want to see Annabelle come home. I feel like we missed a part of the story because that opening was awesome and creepy and good. And the idea that like, so so it starts with them where the uh, first Conjuring starts right where they like get the Annabelle doll and they're talking about like oh Annabelle she's bad we have to take her but we can't destroy her it'll be even worse if we destroy her and then they put her like in a seat belt because she's such a big girl she doesn't need a little booster seat <laughs> she can sit in the seat on her own all by herself yeah they, they put her in the car and then they they're driving her home and then shenanigans start happening there's a car crash their car stalls out uh, right in front of a cemetery, which is scary. And then there's like ghosts everywhere. Yeah, Lorraine is seeing these ghosts and Ed has no idea. He has no idea. Think because Patrick Wilson is fixing, he's like, oh, better go uh, look under the hood because they always have to have him doing some kind of manly task. And I love that they gave it to him in the first thing. Get this out of the way and just have fixing a car like right now. Yeah. And <laughs> not worry about it after that but they, there are like real stories that the all of the people who are involved with the Ed and Lorraine museum um I think Ed Warren made those claims Lorraine Warren made those claims and now their son-in-law also has them that they've all said that they've been driving with Annabelle in the car and Annabelle would like make the car break down or like have some problems so this was like while transporting Annabelle her own place to place. She doesn't, she doesn't want the ride. She wants to stay put. I think she's just like, I'm out. I'm free. I don't want to go home yet. Like, let's <laughs> break the down the car. Zessie or something. I don't know. She's like, who, me? <laughs> she's such a rascal. She is. She's a little devil with her, with her cracked eyeball. Yeah. And then she's just sitting there, just trying to get out. Like, Annabelle needs a makeover. They have to get her out of that satin nightgown. So I feel like someone should restore Annabelle. Their next one should be called Annabelle colon restoration. And it's about like some busybody doll maker, like the first guy in the first Annabelle who like takes her to fix her up. And she like gets a makeover and she looks great. <laughs> she gets like a new wardrobe, like an American girl doll. Yes. And she, but she continues to be bad and she hates it. And then she destroys the new outfit and gets her old outfit back because that's who she really is. 
That's right. And it's all like stitched together. And it's like, yeah, then it's even more fucked up. Yeah, it's even scarier. And her eye gets even more cracked. She has even more blood on her face. And she's like, don't don't try to tell me what to do. I like to look like this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Be a feminist for once. <laughs> oh, she's the feminist for sure. She is. Um, um, something I love about that opening is uh, that there's that ghost in the backseat of the car. And she says, I like your doll, which is really creepy. And then she's like, I'm so cold. And Lorraine is like, you were just in an accident. And it's like, because there was that big car accident. It's like, this girl was like, is recently dead. And Lorraine is like talking her through it. I thought that was so cool. I, I want to was- see more of that. Yeah, I want to see more of like Lorraine's weird issues where she's talking to dead dead people because that's also again I remain unclear about the nature of ghosts and spirits but I guess there are ghosts now well they do seem to be very clear in those early movies about that like these are demons and like you've said the demons use use the ghosts to manipulate the humans or pretend to be ghosts etc but in the last movie, La Llorona, like you said, clearly a ghost. This movie, right off the bat, they're like, look, they're all ghosts. there's a hundred ghosts. She sees ghosts and Annabelle is a beacon for all kinds of spirits. So they like open up all the possibilities of like, what- Annabelle's so evil that like, she like activates all the things in their whole- like she shouldn't be in that room really the the room shouldn't exist it's fucking it's crazy to have that in your home you have a child there i mean they can't let that stuff be out in the world be even worse i know but they need to like build a bunker or something they annabelle needs her own room that's like cemented off yeah she needs to be in like a hannibal lecter type yeah which I mean, she kind of is in that glass cage, but then I feel like if she was, if she wasn't in a glass cage, then people couldn't come and see her and she'd be lonely. And, you know, people like to see her. Yeah. And maybe that's the thing that keeps her, because I feel like, frankly, Annabelle has the power to get out. She can get out whenever she wants to. I mean, come on. Like this girl is knocking on the door going, oh, can someone let me in? And then Annabelle is like, here are the keys, open the door. And then like banging her head on the thing. And then when that doesn't work, she just straight up walks out when she's ready. Like she <laughs> likes it. <laughs> she's having fun. Yeah. I like, I mean, I don't know. Like I do look up to her in some ways. Do you think she got back in the box at the end because she was just tired? I think she wanted to go back to being like a door. She was sick of working and she wanted to just like go back to being praised. Like <laughs> she like she's a star of the show and they can't do the shows when she's out, you know, doing stuff. Like people aren't going to come to the Warren Museum to see her if, you know, she's actually being chaotic. Like she has to just sit there and be scary. So, you know, when the Warrens came back, she was like, okay, it's time to get back to work. And she went back in her box. (laughs) Mom and dad are home. (laughs) Yeah, like, I got to get back to it. (laughs) I do think that she's like, they are her mom and dad. And like, the girl is her sister. (laughs) Judy. Judy, which is their daughter's name for real. 
Yeah, that picture of them at the end was was fun. Judy looked a little traumatized, I will say. I, I couldn't have been easy. It could not have been easy to be that daughter of the no. And I'm glad that they put the focus on that in this one. Actually, this one felt the least like sanctimonious. And I wondered if the expansion of the world to not just be demons to also involve ghosts and to be like a little bit more fun is them maybe loosening the reins on the um, Christian messaging. Uh-huh. <laughs> there wasn't as much Christian messaging in this one, I thought. No. I mean, this one had some swear words, which is also new for The Conjuring, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this kind of body nickname, Bob's Got Balls, for the kind of love interest for the babysitter, which he explains isn't a sexual thing, but it's obviously a double entendre, which like we wouldn't probably have had in earlier Conjuring movies. Um, there's, you know, there is, um, a, there is a pretty big departure. It feels to me like, okay, here's a movie franchise that I'm not at all familiar with, but I, I think it was like, um, in, oh my God, now I'm forgetting in the Fast and the Furious movies, Mm -hmm. which I don't, I've only seen one of them, which apparently was the one I saw was before they got, I think now they're supposed to be like very self-aware and like very funny and people like adore them I'm not super familiar with it but to me it felt like they were making this like there was like an evolution happening with Annabelle where they're becoming more self-aware like they're they're becoming like they're understanding what the Conjuring fan base is like looking for in a Conjuring movie yeah they're they're just uh always kind of um adjusting trying to like perfectly dial in to to what the people want. That's interesting. But at the same time, it is very chaste because you have you have these teenagers. Um, it's like pretty much all teens in the movie, just a bunch of uh, curious, nosy teens <laughs> alone in, in the house. But the, even though like, even though the one girl is bad, like she's just like bad curious like she just wants to like snoop around and then it's motivated by this grief uh that she's caring about her dad and then the other girl who likes the boy like she's still she's like very rule like the warrens would not like it if i had a boy in the house like we can't like we'll do this you know cute flirting thing but like it's not like he's going to come in the house and the bad girl's going to watch the girl while she makes out with the boy, you know? Oh, totally. And I don't think that like the bad girl is like bad. I mean, I think- No, I'm putting that in quotes. Like, Yeah, I think they sort of paint her as the one who's like a little bit sluttier than the other one in the beginning. They make sort of, there there are some jokes about how she's, I don't know, like a little racier than- She's wearing a tight turtleneck sweater very tight sweater but the other one is wearing like a mini skirt but whatever um but yeah she gets all these there are all these comments about her being like telling the other one to loosen up a little bit or whatever um and she's the older sister of the school bully so they're from like a little bit of a a more complicated family but she's yeah it seems like she's just not really bad she just misunderstood and the warrens get it and it's fine so 
They do. And um, I know it's like jumping so far ahead, but uh, when the Warrens pull up at the end and Annabelle, who is like the cat in the hat of this whole thing, the house is like in a shambles and they're like, oh no, <laughs> like, <laughs> like the Warrens are here. And they're like, we have to tell them the truth about everything. And then it like, it jumps ahead and they're, you know, sorting every, it's like, yeah, of course, like they come home, they're gonna, it's implied that like, they're not trying to get away with anything. They're just gonna be very honest about what happened and the Warrens are gonna understand and it's all gonna be okay. I don't understand why they're gonna be honest about everything, but the boy still has to leave. I wondered about that too. Cause are they gonna I think that that's part of maybe like, I don't know. But they're like, oh, let's, let me tell you everything. And there was a boy here who just left 10 minutes ago, or like when we heard your car pull up and he snuck out the back door. I mean, I don't feel like that's like so much better, but maybe it is. I don't know. I never babysat for the Warrens. Me neither. And I never had boys over when I babysat. I never did either. Yeah. I feel like it's there, but I also feel like it's like a little bit more I don't know I guess it's I think it's the kind of thing you can sort of look at either way like if those are your values which they aren't because those aren't anybody's values pretty much anymore um then you would have no problem with like the main babysitter character she's very good like you said she doesn't let boys in the boys want to come in she doesn't let them she kicks them out the only reason the boy gets to stay is because there's a demon in the house and then she kicks them out right away like (laughs) she's gonna go to the dance with them and the and she like really falls for him when she hears that he saved judy from the werewolf outside she's like oh you did it's like it wasn't enough that he sang a song it's like no he needs he needs an ed warren-esque feat of strength (laughs) he needs to save a life like every man must save one life for her (laughs) to even consider going to homecoming with him and he did so he gets to go to homecoming I did like that this was pretty much all all young ladies in in the I'm including Annabelle in the mix but the the boys um you Bob's got balls Mm -hmm. and uh you're the pizza kid Uh, yeah that was another thing that I thought was sort of different that the that was also like a big like weed humor thing that would not have been in any of the earlier conjuring movies like he's obviously supposed to be high and he ate a slice of the pizza and it's kind of stupid and it it was a little bit like dare messaging like look how stupid you'd look if you smoked weed but it's also uh, it's also like a it, they wouldn't even do they wouldn't even, they would just act like it didn't even exist in like the conjuring one so another difference yeah that's a good that's a good point um <laughs> it, uh total dare messaging mm-hmm. um but i did I, I i i love that it's all it's all um girls doing yeah, like, all the work the three girls are standing there and they've gotten annabelle back in her box and the boy comes in holding his smashed guitar like his little mm-hmm. like broken phallic symbol like completely smashed to bits and he's like I helped too and they're like okay whatever <laughs> like standing in front of like their giant glass box containing evil like the greatest evil the world has ever known it was um Freudian yeah, for sure <laughs> <laughs> 
It's so funny. Um, I love the appearance of Monkey Shines also in the Warren's house. <laughs> I did too. I, I mean, I don't really know what Monkey Shines is about. Like, I know it's a Stephen King toy monkey scary book. I that maybe was like a TV movie, but it's a scary monkey that bangs a tambourine. It's got, yeah, it like winds up. It's one of those um, like monk, like organ grinder monkeys yeah. with the, the thing. I feel like it comes alive. The monkey shines comes alive and it like, it's possessed. Yeah, I have one actually. You do? Yeah, I bought a scary vintage tambourine playing wind up monkey because of that. But I didn't know what, it, I mean, I just knew. I was like, oh, that's like a fun, scary thing. I'll get it. <laughs> Because I'm so goth. He lives next to Annabelle. I have my own Warren's Hall of Terrors. It's my one shelf on a bookshelf. It has two things on it. You should put your Annabelle mask on that shelf. You can't because I have to wear it every day. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I forgot you were wearing it all day, every day. I just took it off (laughs) so you can look at me better. Thank you. (laughs) Irene came by to socially distance to give me a cardboard Annabelle mask that I could wear on my face and it was really beautiful thank you I'm glad you liked it I love it it's my favorite thing I saw it on eBay and I just had to get it you had to have I mean have you ever seen anything better no and I have one too so we could both wear it the rest of our lives yeah when we're fully vaxxed, we'll go to the club in our Annabelle masks. I will. I mean, at that point, it's all bets are off and everybody's doing exactly what they want to be happy, right? So boom. On your Annabelle mask. Why not? Why not us? Why not um, us? The uh I also thought there was a little bit of a bluebeard kind of vibe with with this one. The thing of like you can go, you there's one room that you can't go in, you can't go in, and it's like she's got to go in. Yeah. I love the forbidden room and I love Bluebeard. Um, and I, I like how innocent the whole like forbidden room Bluebeard thing has become because it's so, in, it's too interesting to like leave it in the dark. Like it needs to be for a wider audience. I think. I think so too. I love that story and yeah me too Um, and the the creepy man that it's based on yeah see that's what I feel like I'm glad we've like departed you you're glad that we don't talk about him anymore I mean we can talk about him but I'm just glad that like yeah actually I am glad that we don't talk about him anymore and it makes me this actually leads to a good point that I have about the Warrens too tell me tell me because I was thinking about the Warrens and the guest that we were going to have on was a person who has had a lot of, well, I mean, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I'll just say that they're a person who has like come up against a lot of um, criticism from Warren, like supporters and believers who are sort of fanatical and like really believe in any, everything that the Warrens ever said, which I guess I didn't really know that people like that were out there Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I really do think, especially after, after the last, like, I mean, five or six years, really, like I, I have a totally different understanding of like 
the importance of truth and like things that I used to think were harmless. I understand why people, unfortunately, because I really don't like this, but I understand why like people are very opposed to fraudulent claims of like the paranormal just because like it's it all has like an, the ability to like really do damage. Mm -hmm. I think before like I mean, sorry to go here, but before Trump got elected, I genuinely thought this is that society was too smart to be like susceptible to like absolutely batshit insane, obviously fake claims and that people could just have fun with it. But apparently I was wrong, but I do think I was, I was watching the movie and thinking this movie and all of the others have brought me and so many people so much joy and like art has been made about it. It's like commercial art I don't know some people probably wouldn't consider it to be art I do I guess um but like is like did they do more harm than good that's what I was thinking about the Warrens like with their whole thing of like lies and cons but then this huge great movie franchise came of it that has brought like joy and happiness to people like was it worth it and is like, are these movies going to be their legacy more than anything else? I think these movies are going to be their legacy more than anything else. And I think as far as, is it worth it? Uh, the only people who maybe could answer that are the people that were like directly affected by the Warrens lying. And in some case, you know, it's like, if, if a couple of adults, um, have a yarn about like my house is possessed and the Warrens are like yes this house is possessed let's write a story and it's like they get a horror writer to write the story and then it's a, it's a big sensation and they've like you know created an industry out of this story that they're all pretending is true like it, that's entertainment when there's children involved who are like suffering in some way and this is a way to conceal it or explain it um so that the parents don't have to deal with it and then the pa the children have to support this lie and uh then i think it's extremely harmful and bad and sad and um so I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know. I think I was thinking about that actually in the beginning of this movie when, you know, they're, because the movie is, oh, these movies are bookended by like the myth building of Ed and Lorraine and you get to see them like being heroic and being sweet and loving. And um, it, it's like that, it, that's supposed to be your lingering feeling of it and even though the daughter's being bullied because uh her parents are freaks or they're liars and this is a hoax but this this is like her how their child is impacted by it which hasn't been considered by the movies yeah so it's important to know the real story if you and yeah i mean well it's important to know that like, I think that this movie is less believable than people making actual, actually saying that this happened. I think there are like less people that are likely to walk away from this movie believing that these are all true stories. Um, 
Yeah, and I feel it feels more inspired by uh, by them than like a direct, you know, this is a, this is a true story. And I think the series in general is sort of has moved to this like fantastical place where yeah, more and characters than like actual human beings. Yeah, exactly. And that's like what what made me think about this, where it's like you go from Bluebeard to like Disney's Beauty and the Beast or something like that where you're just like completely in this like round this like fantasy world I don't know maybe like reimagining this same story which is like a little bit horrible over and over and over again until it's something that's like pure and delightful is kind of the best possible outcome for like all of this stuff that's something that's interesting to think about I also wonder if like if that like purification process strips it of like of of its meaning and but like what's the meaning that it it's uh that these people are um entertainers and I mean the truth not like yeah. a I thought you meant like a higher meaning or something like that oh. or like a fundamental meaning of this work or so like when you said meaning that's what I think you meant Oh, no, I wouldn't even know where to start with that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, but it's like, because they disappear, like, they completely, I mean, they're called Ed and Lorraine Warren, and I guess these movies still do, like, show the pictures of Ed and Lorraine Warren at the end, Mm -hmm. and show the real people. The real Ed and Lorraine Warren are just completely disappearing, and these characterizations are taking over and are so much more prominent and famous than the real Ed and Lorraine Warren ever were. And if it keeps going, or like if these movies get made, and then we start seeing other movies about like a loving couple that fights evil together, and it just keeps going and going until it's just completely has nothing to do with them at all, I think that that's like a that's like a good impulse on humanity's part to just like keep reimagining something that's fascinating, but ugly until it's unrealistic, but beautiful. Wow, Aggie, I, I am gonna be thinking about that all day. <laughs> oh my God. Thank wow. you. Thank you. <laughs> You were talking about the humor of the show or the you were talking about the humor of the movie and I and we were talking about um this being more of like a secular uh like the most secular of any of the movies also no appearance by the nun very sad yeah no nun come on should have been in the office I thought there was yeah is this before he painted her I don't know I have no idea when this takes place my heart says 1973, but I know that there's a real answer here, is my understanding. Reddit appears to have some controversy about this. Okay, well, I would trust them. Okay. Annabelle Comes Home is actually set in 1972 and is one year later than The Conjuring, but the team behind the franchise forgot that the cold open to The Conjuring had been set in 1968. But I think that's fine. I don't think that the cold opening for Annabelle Comes Home needs to be you know directly before the movie I I get it because I realized that this was something that I had seen before so I didn't really feel like I needed to um I didn't I didn't feel like this is I, I feel like I know what happens after that first scene in the like in the 
trajectory of the movies. So like, I didn't, I know that like they go and do the conjuring and that like their daughter stays with the grandma. So that I like put that away. And I just kind of assume that this happened like a little bit after that. Because in the room is that toy box that she gets in the conjuring where they see that little boy. Yes, the little box. But that's at the end after they come home from the vacation or whatever they go on. So they, she could have brought that back. So this is a real head scratcher. It's a bit of a head scratcher. Also, I think there's some soundtrack notes, like the song that plays over and over again, day after day, that day after day is from 1971. So I think that dates it too. It seems like there's some timeline stuff. They needed an intern to really hash it out. The songs that came out the year that it is. What? Well, people don't only listen to songs that came out like the year that it is. Like you could be listening to a song that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, but it wouldn't be before that. Oh, oh, sorry. They're saying that it was before 1971. Because in the first Conjuring, in the cold open, it said it was 1968. And that this movie takes place a year after that, which is before that movie, that song came out. So this would have been in 1969. Oh, but, but it doesn't... The timeline doesn't match up, is what the people of Reddit have told you me. Know, I honestly think that that is fine. <laughs> I saw this movie and I'm equally proud and ashamed to say I saw this movie twice in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> the second time was with my friend who was like, what should I see? And I was like, oh, we can see this. I've already seen it, but I'll watch it again. And after we left, I think that he was so appalled that I had, that was the second time he, I think he actually felt sorry for me, which is fine. Because he didn't even really say anything about it. He was just kind of like, okay, bye. (laughs) But I never thought about it, really. I was like, this is a fun lark. Yeah, I mean, you would hope that like the work would be done on their end to make it all make sense. But if it doesn't make sense, uh, honestly, I can't remember the details of these movies three days after I've seen them. Yeah, I don't remember anything about any of them. And we just spent two solid months analyzing them as well as we possibly could. Um, Yeah, I don't, I I like that this movie is sort of just in the 70s and it doesn't really matter when. I wasn't alive in the 70s. I don't think most of the people who see this movie were alive in the 70s. Like, I don't think it matters. We don't know, we don't care. Like, just give us whatever, bell bottoms, this song on a record. Okay, I'm in. Perfect. Yeah. Get a pizza, make a pink cake. I'm I'm loving life. Make a pink cake, get a pizza, like have it be around Halloween. Play this board game that was my favorite thing. Feely mealy. Feely mealy. Where the hands come. Oh, it was good. That was really good. And when he when she's walking through the chamber of horrors at the beginning and was just like touching everything. And it's like, of course she would touch everything in something like that. If if you were a little yeah over that stuff I mean I would have stolen something from there I would be I'd be dead right now a demon would have puked blood spirit into my soul and I would have yellow eyes if that was me right now (laughs) um but when as soon as she passed by that board game box it's like it's so like right in the middle of the frame and like the letters are so big and I wrote down feely mealy (laughs) and you're like that's coming back and I love it and I love this 
you know, modern, brightly colored board game in this hall of horrors, because what does that one do? It's just like, it's very fun. Yes. And later it appears in a stack of board games in the house. And you're like, oh, let's play this one. And Judy's yeah. like, I've never seen that one before. Perfect. I mean, that's like a perfect horror, bullshit horror movie thing. Exactly. I love it. Um, it had this movie has really fun set pieces like all of the little scare things are just so great I, the the tv that shows about to say I mean perfect like it's it so shows like, right to the moment before whatever yes yeah it's like um it's on a delay but it's like four seconds ahead yeah. so and they set it up so well and I felt like that was surprisingly patient for a movie like this because She's watching herself and then on the screen, she turns and looks behind her. And then it's this game of kind of her, like wa she's watching herself turn around and then the monkey shines is like falling off the shelf. And it's yeah. it, very affecting. It's very good. Yeah, and, and cause the TV doesn't have any sound. So you see what's happening, but you don't have the full context. And then you hear the, you and know, it's what's like, yeah, jarring. it's still scary when it happens. Cause you're hearing it too. It's, it was really well done. And you watch her mouth, what is happening. And then when yeah. it actually happens and hear her say it, it's like, she didn't know that she said it, but we knew that she said it cause we saw her, but she was turned away from it. It was really good. Yeah, good, good job, Gary Doberman with that Great one. Job on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the werewolf was a little corny but that's okay yeah I don't know why I mean I feel like that was the one the fog and the this like CGI werewolf was totally unnecessary um I like giving the boyfriend something to do that keeps him outside but that's sort of like a C plot that he's just kind of like doing whatever fine I kind of wish that it had been something a little bit more um uh like low-fi and non like I don't yeah. know even just, like, if it had been like a Christine type thing where like there's something in the car you know yeah. and like the lights are turning on or like the garage is filling up with um carbon monoxide or so you know like something or just even keeping the werewolf but just making it just I, I just I don't like a big like CGI monster like I just don't know me either they're always corny it's what's the point because you know it's gonna look like shit in like one second everyone's gonna think that it looked horrible and it's never I mean I guess some people like it and it's for it was for that yeah yeah maybe like the little brothers that are watching the little bros the little bros yeah. Like, oh, I like the werewolf part. <laughs> yes. I'm sure somebody that's somebody's favorite part. Um, what did you think about the uh the soldier in the hallway from like an ancient yeah the world that was from? I was just, I mean, to me, I thought, oh, this is like this character is getting so much screen time. I feel like they're this is gonna be like someone wants to make this movie. That was what I thought. It wasn't my favorite part. I'm just like in general, like war soldier Kelly stuff is just like not as scary as like a possessed board game or like a or like not or like fun and scary as like it's just it didn't feel a demon bride. A demon bride. 
Yeah, we know the juxtaposition is the thing. Like we know that soldiers, cops, we know that like violent bad things are happening. Yeah, yeah. Like, of course. Like battlefields are haunted, and uh, when everything's fine, I'm scared. I'm scared of the Aaron Water show in Chicago. I don't. I. It's all disturbing. But although yeah. I do like a haunted battlefield like a civil war battlefield that's scary it's fucked up and scary there was a painting i saw once uh at a museum that was um from like the 1800s or something and it's just like an open field and there's like kids on the field and it said um children play where soldiers sleep and i've been haunted by it ever since it's extremely disturbing yeah I went to a battlefield in Vicksburg, oh my God, Vicksburg. There's a part where there's just like a giant trench and a tunnel that you walk through. When you go through, you are faced with this like giant grassy like hill that's just like locking you into this like open air, like I don't know, like a pen that you can't get out of basically. And it's like at the, that's where they, um, they like dug this hole so they could like come and surprise people behind that were like stuck in this hill. And it was, it was so quiet and so lonely. And it was like such a horrible combination of like claustrophobia and wide open sky, but like, it was extremely disturbing. I, it was, it was like an uncomfortable, like nauseating feeling to be there. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, there is, there is something about places where things happen. Like it just. Like places where a lot of, yeah, that just, you sort of feel, it it could just be in your head because you know it or, but there's just something incredibly uncomfortable about Mm -hmm. some of these places. I mean, it was just like, I just like couldn't wait to get out of there like I had I was like I don't want to be here anymore it was awful yeah that that sounds like a very eerie eerie yeah that's what it was um but yeah so the 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 soldier wasn't my I thought it was like I just I thought it, it was like a little bit boring he's a samurai and he was an unnamed warrior in feudal Japan while little is known about the samurai's past it is known that he attacked and slaughtered innocent people that's all we know there's more there's a wiki about it you can everybody can look it up but like to me see like that's just not like i would be scared if a samurai was chasing me and trying to kill me yeah but i just don't think that's enough that's just not enough for me it's it's not enough and i'm I think that there's a big reliance on the like foreign aspect of it and with the um, like trying to make it something scary. It felt like something from like an old fashioned like children's book, like something they're trying to get you excited about or like when a little kid in a book would get excited about stuff that like no real child ever cared about. And they'd be like a samurai warrior, like with like no additional context. And you'd be like, this sounds like something I would like learn about in history class. This isn't something that I'm going to be obsessed with. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Something I've thought about with this movie uh, 
and a lot of the movies in the Conjuring universe, and I don't know if you agree or disagree, but not a single star in this movie. Aside from like Ed and Lorraine, I think there there's something um, sort of like anonymous about the majority of the actors that are in these movies. Yeah. They're not huge names. They don't, um, Linda Cardinale, Card Cardellini is yeah. a big, <laughs> she's, she's uh, an exception and Thaisa Farmiga and um, a couple of the kids from The Conjuring. Um, well, they were like big child actors, but I don't know if they were even stars. Yeah. We're just like the kind of child actors that like book stuff. So we know who they are because we're like deranged people who watch to all the Twilight movies and then all the Conjuring movies. But yeah. And the act. And the act. We're, yeah. <laughs> we just like fit in this like Venn diagram that <laughs> But I feel like there is. I don't know. They're not like I. I never walk away from these movies being like, "Oh wow, what is so what a discovery this little girl was." Or it's yeah, like they they all just kind of blend into each other. Yeah, they're all just kind of. Yeah, I mean, I think that more and more movies have casts like that now. Yeah. Movie stars are kind of going away and then some I, I, yeah I see so many people in movies that just seem sort of like an anonymous string of actors who I'm sure have like a huge social media following or something because everyone who's in a movie will get that at some point but like they they're not people that you would read about in a magazine or that I know who they are and the the people that I know like celebrities that I even know about are getting really old because <laughs> they're all from my like early 20s or whatever and they were older than me at the time and the people who are coming up are just I mean I barely know who any of them are and I love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah in keeping with your no new movies um yeah um I mean I'll see one I'll see one when it you know catches my eye hasn't happened yet hasn't happened yet. I mean, are the are any of the actors in this um like TikTok stars or anything? I just mean and I I guess this is a shitty thing to say, but nobody I felt like there was no star quality. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I thought that they were I thought that the two girls were like I mean, this is also a shitty thing to say, but I thought they were like any young woman you'd see in like a horror movie. I mean, I feel like there's a type of actress who's in a horror movie and they were them and that's fine I mean I I think that I actually thought that the brunette was pretty good um I thought so too and I I thought the blonde was was good too and they I mean they they gave her some mealy lines she gives a lot of advice in the movie and I thought she did a really nice job making it all believable like they they all did a nice job like everybody does a good job but I feel like there is sort of a thing of the stars of this are Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson and like they they will come in and give us their star quality and their charisma and charm and 
the 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 rest of the movie isn't about that like they're not going to cast Maya Hawk as one of these teens you know there there hasn't been anybody in any of these movies where you're like whoa well because like that it's like the franchise is selling itself and like that like that's like what they all do now and like that's why I mean I think the first one was like a surprise hit and they just decided that they were gonna like keep going with it um but the um it's the franchise it's like people are going to see a conjuring movie they're not going to see you know anyone in particular in the movie except for like you know the stars the the ed and lorraine warren yeah i mean sometimes i also i honestly am like sort of charmed by that i mean i'm I feel sad that we don't have like big stars that like open movies and like that people go to see really as much anymore as we used to. But like, I, it feels very old fashioned to go and want to see a conjuring movie as opposed to see like a, like in the nineties, you would want to go see like a Julia Roberts movie or something. But don't you feel like people want to see Marvel movies because they're Marvel movies? I think that's the exact same thing. I think it's like Marvel, Star Wars, and then like for us, it's The Conjuring and like <laughs> that's our Marvel. And like, yeah, that's, I feel like that's the, that's how, like there are several like properties like that that are just like kind of self, like I even the, the there are big stars in the Marvel movies. I don't- But the star is the Marvel. The Marvel movies are the big. Yeah. Yeah, they like are selling themselves it's the properties anyone could be in them and people would go see it yeah did you watch wandavision by the way i watched parts of it i thought it was good yeah me too i I watched it a couple weekends ago yeah it's the first of of that stuff that i've seen in a really long time and i liked it yeah i liked it too i was brian was watching it um and i would just like kind of be in the room and like i saw some of it and i thought like everything i saw of it was good Mm mm-hmm but I've seen like a lot of those movies because he really likes Marvel movies. So like we've seen like, so I've seen like pretty much all of them now or like all of the ones that came out after like 2016. Um, but like none of the ones that have come out since COVID started. So whatever has come out, I didn't see like Falcon, whatever it's called. <laughs> like I now that it now that I don't like have to go to the movies and sit and watch it and they're like just on TV, it's like, I would, I forget the last one that I saw in the theater, but without fail, I would always fall asleep. Something just happens in those fight sequences. It like shorts out my brain or something. I get snow crashed and I'm just like. Yeah, like I definitely don't understand the appeal of them. I just feel like take that stuff out and just like, I mean, why do you need to have this? Like, is anyone like, like, cause it's just like all of these like, lights and like clinks and clanks and buzzes and boops and sh- flashing lights and yeah and it's like what is happening I don't and I I feel incredibly incredibly just okay this was another like horrified revelation that I had while going and seeing these movies because again I will see literally anything in the theater like I like going to the movies and sitting in the theater and I'll see like the biggest piece of shit on earth I don't care oh I saw the slender man in the theater I saw the Meg in the theater yeah I would have loved to have seen the Meg (laughs) I wish we'd seen that together should have that's like the total thing we would do um but I wish uh, we'd seen slender man together where were you why were you there for me I saw that alone oh you should have called me up <laughs> I think you were busy actually I think I did when was it three years ago it's all, it's all good <laughs> what a fi- what a great film though um 
the documentary was scarier. The documentary was extraordinarily disturbing. Okay, wait, sorry. This is my Marvel point really yeah, quick. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Got sorry. I'm sorry. But here's my point. Okay, I feel like the Marvel movies, okay, the, the fight choreography in those movies is like extremely elaborate. And I was watching it and I was like, oh my God, this is um, dance. Like if you were like gonna go a 5,000 years in the future and excavate like the art that we were consuming on mass and like this time and place, you would probably say like, this was the dance that they were watching. Like they were these elaborate dances and they called them fight sequences, but this is what they were. And cause they, they're extremely like athletic and balletic and they're choreographed and their performance, like it's a dance. Okay. So we have no like type of like physical movement that we consume like on mass commercially that isn't about war and violence it's the only thing except for the occasional sex scene except for like sex scenes like we don't watch any type of choreographed movement other than murder like death death and killing and even those marvel movies which are supposed to be sort of generic and child friendly and like they're all you know fighting for good or justice or whatever like they're just trying to come up with like an excuse to show violence yeah and it's just, no wonder we have such a violent culture. It's just extremely disturbing to me. And that they're so, like, they're so, I, I don't know what's the, they're so like family friendly and like child oriented and like safe for everybody. And it's a Marvel movie is something that you can show to like the widest possible audience and have the most possible people respond to it. Mm -hmm. And it's, all about violence. I don't know. It's very disturbing. It is disturbing. And um, I recently learned that uh, they have a partnership with the United States military and that they get a lot of funding from them. And it's a psyop, dude. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we finally reached that point of this. We have. Well, thank you for two. For <laughs> I, I also feel I, I totally agree with you. And um, I was watching a Kung Fu movie the other night and I it, I was watching like the technical execution of what they were doing and had the feeling of like, oh, this is so, it's so beautiful. And like, this it takes so much skill and it, it is such a, a dance, but there's no emotional connection to it. It, it is, it is just, violence on on violence and like why can't we see people dancing or expressing like a different type of emotion or feeling and well we can't even fathom like a group of people coming together and doing something like and uniting to achieve a goal that isn't like war like it doesn't exist no not not at this point no i mean i don't know if there ever has been something that existed but I mean, maybe like going to school. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like that's it. I I don't I don't know. I'm not in my lifetime. Well, except for Hands Across America. Oh my god! <laughs> but then that got um, turned upside down in us. That's right. That is right. Uh, yeah. 
I also think that just like the concept of like justice and rightness is so vague in those movies. It's like, we know that these characters are good, but we're not really gonna like define what that means. So we know that these characters are bad. And even in the rare case that we're like exploring the motivations for why they're bad, it's like, it's like they're they're bad and these guys are good and and they and they fight and they fight for justice. But it's like those ideas when I watch those movies, those ideas seem so abstract and so like disconnected from really anything like human. I I don't know, I just can't I feel like there's a real disconnect in my I just can't like I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. And I never did. Like as a little child, I never read comic books except for Archie and which I read a lot of. <laughs> I didn't really like superhero. Yeah. Yeah. I never read the superhero comics except for I, I Watchmen, but I read all of the, pretty much all the Alan Moore comic books. And I mean, I, I, I like, I like comic books. I just am not like a superhero Person. oh yeah I guess like I guess I read Watchmen I've read like some graphic novels but I don't think that's really the same thing maybe it is I don't know I don't know someone will tell me yeah please pop off in the comments yeah what is a what is the difference between a graphic novel and a comic book well the idea of graphic novel came about because they wanted to elevate it and make it seem like something that adults would buy. But people who write them often say that they make comic books and they want and they think that the concept of a graphic novel is pretentious and different from what they have. But it's easier to just call it that because people make a distinction between it. Between yeah, like that. a graphic novel is like cool, a cool thing for adults, and a comic book is like a something dorky. fun for kids. Yeah. I know somebody in this apartment who would have a lot to say about this. Yeah, me too. Well, but I'm kind of hanging back a little bit. I don't care about it at all. Yeah, me neither. I'm like, why am I even talking about this now? Yeah, um, let's, let's, let's rank the movies because we said we were going to do that at the beginning. Let's just yes. Okay. So number one, Conjuring 1. Yeah. Number two, Annabelle Comes Home. Yes, that would be mine. I'm going to say that's mine too. Um, number three, I'm, I'm going to say La Llorona. Oh, really? I'm going to say The Nun. Ooh. Surprised me. Cause I think that the first time I really hated The Nun, but this time I liked it a lot more. This is exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, then I'm going to say Annabelle Creation. Oh, wait, no, then I'm going to say The Nun. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say Annabelle Creation. Love it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Then I'm going to say Annabelle Creation. Number five. Okay. And I'm going to say The Curse of La Llorona. Okay. Now we've got number six. I'm going to say mm, Conjuring 2. That's what I'm going to say as well. Great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. okay. That's really exciting. Number seven. There's only one left. Annabelle. And she's our favorite girl, but her first movie was not great. They, 
they they did they did her dirty they did do her dirty but even the worst annabelle movie is still pretty good and all of these movies are like equally like pretty much except for the conjuring except for the top two the conjuring and the and annabelle comes home they're all like very close in quality i'd say yeah i i would agree i would agree with that um yeah so our final list here we both agree on the top two conjuring one and annabelle comes home for number three, I said La Llorona, Aggie said The Nun. For number four, I said The Nun, Aggie said Annabelle Creation. Number five, Annabelle Creation is what I said, Aggie said La Llorona. We both had Conjuring 2 for number six, and we both have Annabelle bringing up the rear. I'll post this in the show notes. Okay, well, I'm, I'm happy. I think that we have some like respectful disagreements in the middle but I definitely see your points on everything and I think that where it really counts the top two and the bottom two we We did it which I think means that we're right I think so too I just you know I just really liked um I really liked uh La Llorona and I found it I found it really entertaining yeah I found it entertaining too you know I, I don't know. They all have, they all have strong parts. They all have weak parts. I just found out an interesting piece of information. Googling all of the movies. There is another announced conjuring movie. Is it the crooked man? Yes. Did we discuss this already? We have not discussed it. We talked about the crooked man a little bit when we did conjuring too. Yes. We saw the Crooked Man, but I didn't know that he was getting his own movie. The people online really like the Crooked Man. Good. Then they should get a movie of the Crooked Man. Maybe it'll be great. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, he's obviously very much like Slender Man, who we both talked about a little bit and is interesting. Yes. He's like a mix of like the Slender Man and the Babadook. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely got strong Babadook. I mean, he's like from the same, like he knows the Babadook, like they are in the same, like they're from the same part of the world. Well, oh no, they're not at all. <laughs> the Babadook is like Australian, right? Yes. Yeah. That's not true, but they still, uh, same vibes. I feel like they'd both show up in, um, in an anthology together. They'd high five it through the pages when the book is closed. Well, they both like to prey on single moms yes who were struggling punch up ghosts that's what i have to say leave single moms alone i want jeff bezos to be haunted yesterday haunt jeff bezos haunt him i want someone needs to mail annabelle as a beacon for all spirits to these these people who are just (laughs) We should make a movie about a demon doll that like Jeff Bezos gets. And even every time he tries to throw it out, it comes back and he tries to like auction it off for a charity or something and it comes back. (laughs) I love that idea. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. The doll that kills billionaires. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they should be, um, they should leave little kids alone. If all souls are the same, you know, mix it up guys. Go, go after the bad boys. They prey on the weak. 
Well, physically and spiritually. I hate that. You know what I love though? The end credits for this one. Me too. I was watching them with a big old smile on my face. Me too. I thought it was so fun. They were they really fun. Job with those. They were so 70s. They were so cool. They didn't need to do it, but they did it anyway. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. It was. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's it. Is it time to close the I door? Think, I think to lock the cage. Lock Annabelle back in her cage until she comes out to haunt us again. Get a, a sticker printed that says warning, do not open. Yeah, and a little tarot card to put on these episodes <laughs> because they'll haunt you. They will haunt you. We're coming back next week with some um, random topics. We're gonna do a few weeks of uh, a potpourri. Which was fun and everybody liked it and we liked doing it. So we'll have some more potpourri and then we'll have a new topic at some point. That's right. We'll spend some time doing a little research and, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to yeah. our series on The Conjuring. And if you liked it, rate us. Rate us, review us. Don't forget to subscribe. And tell we'll friends, tell lover. I hope that you talk about us during your post-coital cuddles. Yeah stare in your lover's eyes and say have you heard this podcast <laughs> I really like <it>. yep <laughs> oh I'm getting secret pizza tonight oh I love secret pizza I'm so excited I've been looking forward to it all week long I got really good pizza last night from where from um oh god see this is why I don't talk on my own podcast because I can't remember what it's called it's like that really good place on Santa Monica, whatever. I can't remember what it's called. There are, there's a good place to get good pizza in LA. That's all you need to know. <laughs> there's a couple good places. The best place, Secret Pizza. You heard it here first. Yeah. You heard it here oh. last. Desano. Oh, Desano. I've never been there. It's really good. It's on Santa Monica. It's like little like Neapolitan, Ooh. but sometimes they're kind of big and they're very good. Oh, I'm so hungry for my Secret Pizza. Okay, well, you gotta go get your pizza. Bye.